0: Right. well welcome to Calvary Chapel. Looks like we have a lot of family, friends, visitors. I know a lot of people couldn't make it because of the ice storm, so if you're online watching, we're so glad you're here. And for some of us, this is really special because eight years ago, we had our first Christmas Eve service with Calvary Chapel Low Country, and I think there was all of 12 of us to gather in an office, shared a couple of pies and some hot cocoa with the message, and then now to see what the Lord has been doing and the growth of the fellowship, it's really exciting. I know there's people watching in Oregon and California, um, I think a couple in Texas. Tim will give me the the situation report afterwards of all the places that people have been watching. So that's, that's always really cool. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to start our Christmas Eve off in the book of Isaiah. Lord, we do pray that you would continue to lead us and direct us. We pray that you would... Teach us this evening, as we recenter ourselves, we check ourselves for what the reason of this season truly is, Lord. And we pray that you would lead us this, this evening in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, more than any other day, we live in a world of imagination and imitation, stories. and We don't know what to believe. Everything is some kind of mythology or some show or or something that's just being forced upon us day in and day out. We don't know what our history and what is made up, what is myth and mythology. And what do we do when all these tall tales overlap the truths of the gospel? And how do we know that they're real and how they're not? My son, he sent me a video the other day. He's old enough now that he's texting me stuff. And he sent me this video. And it's this video of, uh, of a TikTok, but it's the TikTok from behind the scenes. And it just shows how the whole thing is scripted. And it it shows these outside camera angles, and they're negotiating with the person that they're going to actually participate with. And it's supposed to be this random $1,000 given for answering this question. But the person they give this money to isn't answering the questions right, not good enough for enough likes, and so they take it back, and they walk off. And I just was so proud of him in the moment that he's starting to realize... That most of this stuff is fake it's just made up and it's amazing to us that with all of these things going on we may even start to question on ourselves like is the bible real is it just another story is it made up are they trying to sell me something when i grew up that's that's what i believed i believed that the bible was just a bunch of fables to keep people in line and keep that money rolling how wrong i was And now, this evening, we're going to study the Bible, we're going to look at its verses, and we're going to find a defense for why in the world we're all gathering together Christmas morning to open some presents and to spend time with our family. Let's read in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. You may have heard this verse before. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, I know, this is a long word. I I usually don't quote the French, but they had, when I Google searched it, they're the first ones that popped up. According to them, there's been 80 billion people born, give or take one or two, ever. 80 billion people. And yet, we're expected on this day to come and celebrate and worship one child out of those 80 billion. Out of those 80 billion... In the last two millennia, more than half have been born. So more than half have been born in the last 2,000 years since the year 1 A.D. One human in five, that's 15 billion, was born in the last 200 years. And almost one in 10, 8 billion, are alive today. Just give her some chocolate. She'll be all right. If your kids are fussy, that's what they're supposed to do. It's all right. As long as it's not Mark Burford. (laughs) Now, their concern was with population growth, which is not my concern at all. It's how in the world do you expect us to come and talk about one child out of 80 billion? It just sounds crazy. just sounds like another myth, another mythology. And then on top of that, you want us to believe even crazier things, like Isaiah chapter seven, verse fourteen. It says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel means God with us. You mean to tell me that not only is this one child out of eighty billion so spectacular, you dare tell me that this child was born of a virgin? Like that's not possible, that's not scientifically possible, and yet it is true, but if you're going to say things like that, you better have some evidence, you better have something to back it up, especially in a world where all of our illusions are falling apart, you can't even go to Disney now without politics, people judging you for watching a Disney movie, and we realize that people are manipulating things, and they're changing things, and they're trying to get us to believe things, so I don't know if you guys know this or not. I'm not known for smiling. I'm not known for being emotional. I'm known for being a cynic. I'm known for being hypercritical. I know some of you are just nodding your head. Yep, that sounds right. Well, let's look at some evidence then. Because how can somebody so cynical believe something so fantastic, so mythological? Well, here's some evidence right here. This thing is pretty cool. This thing is called a portion of the book of Isaiah. That's the book that we're reading from right now. Now, it was discovered in 1946, between 1946 and 1956, in 11 different caves, 13 miles east of Jerusalem. These are called the Qumran Caves, and the area at that time called Mandatory Palestine. I'll save you some of the uh, Arabic names, but they're known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. What makes the Dead Sea Scrolls and this portion so incredible is that they've dated it to the 3rd century B.C. So 200 B.C. to 1 A.D., in in that area, before Christ was born. This is so important, so important that they have put these things in a shrine, a museum, in Israel today. And researchers have assembled a collection of over 981 different manuscripts from these 11... uh, It's just like normal. I can't speak English. Can't speak Spanish, can't speak English. I'm just in trouble. 981 different manuscripts discovered between 1947 and 1956 from these 11 different caves. Here is something that's called the great Isaiah scroll. Now I know if you're looking at it, you know, it's so hard to see it. If you're online, you're like squinting microscope to see it. What makes this so important is that this is an almost perfect copy of the book of Isaiah from 200 years before Jesus was born. 200 years before he was born. And it keeps all of the book of Isaiah's prophecies that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. All these predictions, the history in advance of what was going to happen, how it was going to happen, where it was going to happen, all of them prophesying that the Messiah was going to come. There are, in case you think one might be a fluke, and the 11 caves, they found 19 copies of the book of Isaiah. They found 25 copies of the book of Deuteronomy and 30 copies of the book of Psalms, all of them showing us that this book is not just some literature that's been changed over the years. It is an almost perfect copy of the original text. Incredible. Well, anybody can write a story, even an old story. I mean, there's lots of myths. There's lots of religions. There's lots of different faiths out there. But you can jump on a plane here in Hilton Head, and you can make a couple of pit stops on the way You can get off the bus there in Israel and you can go to the museum yourself and you can open up an Aramaic Hebrew translator and you can look at the original text and you can begin to see those texts there in Isaiah that says that he shall be called the Son of God. And you're looking at it and be like, wow, this is what it says. He will be born of a virgin. Wow, that's that's what it said 300 years before it was written. The original prophet Isaiah was writing his prophecies around 700 B.C. That's 2,700 years ago. They were prophesying about this one child out of 80 billion. And we got a lot of babies in here right now. we got a lot of children in here, a lot of people. And yet all these prophecies about this specific person were right. I don't know about you, but I'm not exactly uh, able to afford a ticket to Israel. So good thing we have Google, because here it is. This is the museum right here, and you can see in the center there, it's made to look like an ancient scroll, and that is where the great scroll of Isaiah is today. Around that room, you can go and interview and look at and investigate for yourselves the different texts. Here's a close-up version. As you go up to that scroll, uh, obviously temperature, humidity controlled, light controlled. Uh, One thing that's pretty cool there, this is a side note. This is the history nerd in me going off. They have the oldest copy of the book of Genesis. And it is so fragile that you press a button and you can look at it for 30 seconds and then they close it back up again. It's like clouded glass because they want to protect it. They want to show us that it's there and that it's real, but they also want to protect it for later generations. But you have a copy of it in your hands. There's copies of it in your seat right now. And they're all proven to be true and accurate. Okay, so what does that matter? What does that matter? What does that matter to the six-year-old, the seven-year-old in here right now, whose eyes are rolling in the back of their head? What, what is this all about? Well, I chose that book of Isaiah and the great Isaiah scroll because it has the majority, I shouldn't say majority, it has a lot of prophecies about our Lord Jesus. I'm going to give you a sum And when I give you these some, you're going to be like, this is too many. I know. Imagine, I had to try and make the thing fit in the slides. So the prophecies of the Messiah found in the book of Isaiah are that he's going to be born of of a Davidic virgin, chapter 7, Galilean ministry, chapter 9, heir to the throne, chapter 9. He'll have his way prepared by a prophet, John the Baptist, Isaiah chapter 40. He will... Be struck and spit on, spat on, Isaiah chapter 50. He'll be exalted, 52. He'll be disfigured by suffering, Isaiah fifty two, fifty three. Widely rejected, 53. You're bored? I got more. Just to really rub it in. We'll bear our sins and sorrows. The Spirit of God will rest upon him. The Gentiles will come after him and seek him. He'll make a blood atonement, a sacrifice for our sins. He'll accept our guilt and punishment. He'll be our substitute the sins of many for their salvation. He'll die with, transgression, with the transgressors, heal the lame, diseased, raise the dead, be buried in a rich man's tomb. He'll judge the earth in righteousness. All of these different prophecies are all found in that great Isaiah scroll, 300 B.C., 300 years before that little baby would cry his first cry. But it's one thing to be born. It's another thing to actually fulfill these prophecies. Now I'm going to let you know in this fulfillment I had to cut out a lot of the reference verses To even try and get it to fit So I only used one reference per each prophecy But he was born of a virgin He had his ministry to the Gentiles in Galilee He did receive the throne of David His baptism was prophesied with John the Baptist He was spat on and beaten He was exalted by God and the people He was scourged by Roman soldiers He did take a, a crown of thorns He was not accepted by many. He died for our sins. The spirit of God rested upon him. Now, I'm going to save you the rest of this list, but you can see item after item after item after item. Jesus Christ fulfilled every single one of these things. But you're like, well, that's just because they tried to fit it into those prophecies. That's not possible, even if you were aiming for it. Even as cynical and as critical and as negative as I can be, it is impossible for all these people with all these eyewitnesses and the extra-biblical outside sources, the historical accounts, the archaeological evidence, and the other manuscript evidence, for us to sit here on Christmas and lie to our children and just say, oh, well, it's all just make-believe. They just made this up for us to feel good. This is the truth of God. For 2,000 years, we can continue to tell that truth because this is no myth. It is no story. History was written in advance. And this one child, this one child out of 80 billion was the son and is the son of God. And he's also the son of man. I think that's incredible. I think it's miraculous. I think that only God could do something like that. I mean, That's not possible for these things not to be true. When you investigate the evidence with your own eyes, we can say, There is no sham production. You're not going to wake up one day and be like, Christianity is proven false on Fox News. No, it's never going to happen. For thousands and thousands of years, they've been trying to disprove this. And for thousands and thousands of years, people have been changed by the gospel. Their lives have been changed. Their freedom has been found in Christ. The lies of the enemy have been removed. People have been transformed. The gospel goes forth from person to person. In Isaiah chapter 53, that same book and in that same scroll, it says he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Now, Jesus is not just like some Superman. I know Marvel movies are popular. They're trying to make DC popular, even though they can't, (laughs) as much as they try. But Jesus just isn't some superhuman. He is the son of God who gave his life as a ransom for many. And because he is the son of God, he had no sin and he was perfect and he took our sins upon himself so that we could have salvation but if you grew up like i grew up you would be questioning those things all right what's your angle what do you want from me what are you trying to get after me and the answer is nothing he doesn't take from us he gives to us because the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many So we saw this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53 that's written in 700 B.C. And we have manuscript evidence from 300 B.C. that was preserved until 1946 in a cave and is now in a museum in Israel that you can investigate for yourself, confirming what happened in Matthew chapter 27 when it says, And while he was being accursed by the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word. So that governor marveled greatly. Well, why is that so important? Why did I pick that out? Well, Pontius Pilate is a historical figure. And they have Pontius Pilate's name in stone in Caesarea, showing that he was the governor at that time. More historical evidence. And Pontius Pilate put Jesus on trial. The Sanhedrin had brought them, brought him to them for punishment. And Jesus fulfills these prophecies that were written in 700 BC, and that are proven to us. How do we know that Jesus actually did that, though? Because the people that record it happening also report they record their absolute failures at the exact same time. Who does that? If I'm going to write a history about myself, you better believe it's going to be the best parts of me. He's handsome, he's slim, sharp, obviously like, don't laugh that loud, okay, come on. <laughs> I'm only going to put the very best out, but not these guys. They recorded all their failures. They recorded everything that went wrong, that they betrayed him, that they turned his back on him. And then they record that he came back to life. They put him in a grave. In fact, in Isaiah, the same scroll, it said he was going to be buried with the rich. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Fulfilled. Matthew chapter 27. And when evening had come, when, when came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus, this man went to Pilate, and asked for the body of jesus then pilate commanded the body to be given him when joseph had taken the body he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb which he had hewn out of the rock and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed and so these things happened they put him in a grave the rich man's grave they laid him in there they rolled the stone he ain't getting out of there that's a tomb that's a bank vault but these same guys that recorded their failure said, we saw him. He was alive. He walked with us. And then not only do they testify of these things. I mean, criminals lie to the cops. I mean, come on. I've, I come from Mission Hills, California. We—we we, No snitches, right? You got to tell. You can't tell the authorities the truth. So didn't the disciples do the same thing? Well, they didn't put them in a, a room and read them their rights. For decade after decade, they were persecuted, chased, they were beaten, they were stoned, until ultimately they died painful deaths, all proclaiming that what they saw was real, that it happened. That he came back from the grave. These guys that had betrayed him, all fulfilling these prophecies that are millennia old. Man, you you cannot look somebody in the eye and say, well, you know, that all may be well and good but i still don't believe any of it well you can be ignorant if you want to but you're doing it in spite of the evidence i was watching a christmas movie this morning and there's the grinch i mean just this random movie (laughs) and his heart gets bigger and they're singing and they're holding hands because all the toys have been stolen I've been known for being a Grinch from time to time. I know, hold your, your gasps. But is that the point of Christmas, that we're all just to sing songs and fake smiles? That we're all just supposed to have Christmas carols and watch our kids be spoiled to death? That's not what Christmas is about. It's about one child in 80 billion that fulfilled all the prophecies of God. Who gave himself as a ransom for many that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life? We sing songs of joy because this life has a purpose. We sing songs of joy and merriment because there was a child born. His name was Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. It's the real Christmas story not some fake love story, some fake Christmas movie, some fake TikTok video, some fake mythology or superhero, just trying to get ticket sales, likes, and comments. No, he came and he gave himself for free. Not cheap, but freely given. And we base our salvation on his work. And so we're going to close this evening. We're going to close reading Isaiah chapter nine, just like we started this evening. In verses six through seven, it says, for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. To order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. When Isaiah was writing those scrolls, he was putting that ink to parchment to the scroll. He had no idea that one day a copy would be in a museum in the promised land and it would be a testament to the Messiah that he was prophesying about. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you. We thank you for these truths and for these evidence. I pray that you left so much evidence. I just want to thank you for it, for a skeptic like me, Lord. And I thank you that you fill us with the faith and you give us the eyes to have understanding. And I pray that as we celebrate your birth this weekend, Lord, that we would give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.